Welcome to today's audio podcast, a sermon teaching from Grace Bible Church of Akron. If you enjoy the teaching ministry of GBC and would like to enjoy more resources and weekly updates, we hope you will visit our website at gbcakron.org. Please take a moment to let us know how this ministry is impacting your life by emailing us at info at That's I-N-F-O at gbcakron.org. Also, if you would like to support Grace Bible Church, you may do so by visiting gbcakron.org forward slash giving. Thank you for listening and enjoy the podcast. Good morning again and thank you for being here. I want to start off our time together by asking you a question. Don't answer it out loud, okay? The question is this, how do you know when someone's lying to you? Have you thought that through? I mean, what is it that you rely on? What cues do you use uh, to determine if someone is telling you the truth? That's a pretty important question, especially in today's world, because we are bombarded with information from all kinds of sources. How do we know who's telling us the truth? How can we discern how we need to think about something, how we need to feel about something, how we need to act about something, if we're not even sure we're being told the truth? That's a pretty important question. You know, the other, the other thing that I'd like to ask you is, what should you and I do when we make a decision only to discover later that the decision we made was based on false information? And what should our response be to that? How do we respond when that happens to us? Because it happens to all of us at different times. I want to tell you that the answer to those two questions requires a lot of bravery. It requires a lot of bravery in the Lord and a lot of trust in Him. One, to know what the truth is. And then second, to know what to do after we've made a decision based on false information. The reason I bring that up is because this is exactly what happens to Joshua in this passage that we're going to look at together this morning. A group of people come to him and lie to him. And he makes a decision that not only impacts him, but impacts the people around him based on that false information. We think that the things going on in the world are new to us and only to us, but it's been going on a long time. It's been going on a long time, people being lied to and people responding to those lies and making decisions based off that false information. So let's get right into the Word and see what happened. In Joshua chapter 9, it says, Now all the kings west of the Jordan River heard about what had happened. So what had happened? Well, Joshua and the Israelites had defeated Jericho. They had defeated the town of Ai. They've heard about this. And so these kings combined their armies to fight as one against Joshua and the Israelites. So there were six kings in all. So if you can imagine, six kings with their six armies, they unite together to fight Joshua and the Israelite people. And the Bible tells us, but when the people of Gibeon heard what Joshua had done to Jericho and I, they resorted to deception to save themselves. So Gibeon was 
one of the largest areas in the land of Canaan. It was also a, a, a military stronghold. It was probably the next place that Joshua was going to attack with the, with the Israelite army. But before he could muster the army to go fight them, Gibeon decides to send a delegate, a, a group of men, an official delegate, to Joshua. But they're using deception. Now, immediately what you and I might think, if we were in Joshua's shoes, we might think that the greatest danger facing us would be six kings who have united with their six armies to fight us. But that was not his greatest danger. His greatest danger was this small delegation of men coming from Gibeon, but lying about where they're from. And the only reason I bring that up is because I think that's what happens to us in life a lot. I think we get notifications on our phones, and we get stuff that comes up on our media feeds, and we watch stuff that unfolds on the news, and all of these headlines with all of their bells and whistles and warnings and implications, they grab our attention. And we begin to think, this is the most dangerous threat to whatever. Our society, my life, my job, my marriage, my kids, whatever it is. This is the biggest threat. When in reality, the greatest danger are the voices that we allow in our life to deceive us into not following the Lord and what he's asked us to do. That's exactly what is getting ready to happen to Joshua. Notice what the Bible says. They, being the Gibeonites, sent ambassadors to Joshua, loading their donkeys with weathered saddlebags and old patched wineskins. They put on worn out patched sandals and ragged clothes, and the bread they took with them was dry and moldy. And when they arrived at the camp of Israel in Gilgal, they told Joshua and the men of Israel, we have come from a distant land to ask you to make a peace treaty with us. And the Israelites replied to these Hivites, how do we know you don't live nearby? For if you do, we cannot make a treaty with you. Why not? Because God had told Joshua to not make any treaties with the people living in the land of Canaan. That was his instruction. That's what he was doing to follow the Lord. So they, they can't make a treaty with him. And they replied, we are your servants. What's really important here is the tone. Okay, these guys are using a special tone with Joshua. They're pleading with him giving the appearance of weakness, using a tone of submission, and saying, we want to have peace with you. And Joshua responds, but who are you? Where do you come from? They answered, your servants come from a very distant country. We have heard of the might of the Lord your God and all he did in Egypt. Now then, they appeal to his God. We've heard of your God. We're, we're kind of like you. And we kind of, 
we kind of see God the way you see God. We've heard about His power. He says, we have also heard what He did to the two Amorite kings east of the Jordan River. So our elders and all our people instructed us, go meet with the people of Israel and tell them, we are your servants. Please make a treaty with us. You hear the tone? They're pleading with Joshua. We're, we want to be friends. We want to have peace. We've traveled a great distance. We're, we're on our last meal. We, we've heard of your God. So the Israelites examined their food, but they did not consult the Lord. And that's important. If you're someone that underlines things in your Bible or if you highlight it, that's they did not consult the Lord. Then Joshua made a peace treaty with them and guaranteed their safety, and the leaders of the community ratified their agreement with a binding oath. There's two things I want to point out real quick before we move on in this passage, and that is, first, if you and I, if we're going to be brave and victorious for the Lord in today's world, we must understand the role of of lies. Because we live in a world that constantly lies. So what is the purpose of a lie? A lie appeals to our emotions so that we can be manipulated into feeling and thinking and acting in a way that the person who's lying to us wants us to feel, think, and act. Does that make sense? So, so when people lie to other people, ultimately what they're trying to do is manipulate the way they feel, the way they think, and the way they act. That's exactly what's happening here. These men show up and they lie to Joshua. Why are they lying to Joshua? We want Joshua to think about us what is not true. We want him to feel towards us what we want him to feel. And we want him to make a treaty with us even though he wouldn't if we told him the truth. It was a big ploy of manipulation. And the same thing holds true for you and I in our world. The same thing holds true from the Garden of Eden. You remember Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden? The only person they knew was God. And then the Satan shows up in the form of a snake or however all that happened, talks to Eve. Don't understand that because if a snake were talking to me, I wouldn't stand around and listen. But she did. Why? Because Satan wanted to manipulate one the way she felt the way she thought about what God had said, and ultimately what she would choose to do. That has always been the role of lies in our world. And you and I need to understand that the lies that we hear in our world, in our time, in the circumstances in which we find ourselves living, are for the same purpose. To be manipulated. Here's what's unfortunate, is that some people can lie better than Christians can tell the truth. And that's really unfortunate in our world. 
we know this happens in a lot of different venues. It happens politically. It happens in commercials. You do know commercials don't always tell you the truth, right? You do know this. So it happens in schemes, money schemes, happens at work, happens in relationships. There's all kinds of lies going on in the world. But I I thought this was pretty interesting. Here's what an American politician said about a lie. He said, a lie is an abomination to the Lord and a very present help in trouble. And that's how a lot of people use their lies. If we want to be really honest, that's how we use ours. When we lie. If we're going to be brave in this world, we've got to understand the role of lies. Someone's trying to manipulate someone else. That's why they lie. The second thing that you and I need to be reminded of is that if we're going to be brave and victorious for the Lord in this world, we must remember that we are in a spiritual battle. Folks, let me tell you something. There's not a day in our life, there's not a day in our life that we are not engaged in spiritual warfare. We do not understand it. Many times we do not see it. Quite often we do not perceive it. But that does not mean that it is not taking place. Joshua, he looked at this delegation of men and perceived with his eyes and his ears and with his own powers of deduction, assumed that everything he saw everything he smelled, everything he could taste, everything he could feel, everything he could understand, that those senses were enough to make a good decision. And they weren't. And it's no different for me and you. Now, without a doubt, many of our decisions can be made based upon what we see, smell, taste, know, know and understand. You know, we, we, there's, there's a lot of decisions that we can make that we don't have to take to the Lord, okay? For instance, you didn't have to ask the Lord what you needed to wear to church this morning unless you're planning on wearing nothing. Then you need to talk to the Lord, okay? But do but you see what I'm saying? I'm not saying that every decision we have to make, we've got to take it to the Lord. I'm not saying that. But I am saying this. Every decision that involves faith and morality, we better filter that through the Lord. Joshua assumed that taking the land of Canaan, taking the promised land, was a physical activity, not a spiritual activity. He did not, he did not catch in this instance that he was engaged in a spiritual battle, not just a physical battle. And I think that happens to a lot of us. We recognize that we're in a battle But we don't recognize that we're in a spiritual battle. And if all we rely upon is what we can see, taste, smell, feel, and understand, and we say, that's how I'm going to make good decisions in my life. That's what I'm going to rely on. Let me tell you something. You and I will get burned. Because when it comes to matters of faith and morality, we should always talk to the Lord. And Joshua didn't. He didn't talk to the Lord about this. Uh, let, me, let me ask you a question. Is your marriage relationship, is that, is that a 
relationship based on faith and morality, or is that a relationship of just personalities? Because it'll change the way you feel, think, and act in your marriage. Let me ask you about your money. Is your money, is that a spiritual situation, or is that just good money management skill situation? Is that something we need to talk to the Lord about, or, oh, hey, I got it. I won't be deceived in that. There are all kinds of things in life that we think we have under control when in reality we're being duped. And the only reason we're being duped is not because we're ignorant. It's because we didn't take it to the Lord. What about political views? Is that something you got under control? Or do you think potentially that's a spiritual issue? It's all kinds of things in life that we need to pause, go back to the Lord and say, I need some help here. Joshua didn't do it in this. And that leads us to talk for just a few moments on how to deal with questionable information. I just want to ask you a question. Do you think you're getting any questionable information in the world today? And here's the real thing, how do you know? How do we know who's telling us the truth anymore? From the White House to your house. How can you know who's telling you the truth? It's a big, it's a big challenge that we're facing. We all, we all are dealing with this. That's what I really appreciate and, and admire and love about God's Word is that if we will jump into it, God will give us what we need for today. Because we can learn from Joshua right here how to deal with questionable information in our life. The first thing that we must do is humbly admit limitations and ask for God's wisdom. Just humbly admit. Listen, Joshua... When these guys came, this delegation came, and they said, we want to make this peace treaty, and, and they showed, you know, they, they gave this impression they were someone from somewhere that they weren't. He asked questions, who are you? Where did you come from? How do I know? Listen, Joshua, his spider senses were already up, you know? I mean, he already knew something wasn't right. But instead of talking to the Lord, he, he just made a decision based upon what he could see, what he could understand, what he could touch, what he could smell. He, he made his decision on that instead of going to the Lord. See, we're, we're in a battle with an enemy that we can't see. We can't feel him. We can't perceive his strategies. Sometimes, when our spidey senses are going off, we need to admit our limitations. Say, Lord, I need your help here. I need your help to know what to do. Look at what James says. James 1.5 says, If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt. I, I, I'm going to say something that's going to come off a little, a little harsh, but I hope you understand my, my heart behind it. 
Folks, if you and I do not know what God wants us to do, it is simply because we didn't ask. Period. We can come up with all kinds of reasons and excuses as to why we don't know what we need to do in matters of faith and morality. We can come up with all kinds of reasons, but it boils down to this one thing. Either God's the liar or he's telling us the truth. And he says that if we need wisdom and we go to him and we ask and we're willing to believe what he says, we will always have the wisdom we need. Period. Joshua could have known what to do. He didn't ask what to do. He didn't ask the Lord. I'm sure he asked people around him. I'm sure he talked to the other leaders. I'm, I'm sure he probably went home and talked to his wife and told her everything. He said, yeah, Joshua. I'm sure he talked to a lot of people. He just didn't talk to the Lord. And so many times we make the same mistake because we are flooded with information in today's world. We are constantly, our phones are constantly ding because we've got some kind of alert set to let us know something happened. We have social media that's constantly pumping information to us. We have 24 7 um, uh, news cycle where it never stops. Someone's always pushing a new headline on us. We just have a hard time knowing what's true. Well, I think it's just time we admit it. Say, Lord, help me understand this information. Help me know how I should feel about this, think about this, and act on this. Joshua didn't do that. He didn't do that. Can I just say something real quick, too? I, I mean, if Facebook is your only source of media in the world, shame on you. Facebook was developed as a dating app. Why has it become our only source for information in the world? And if you have allowed that to happen, I strongly encourage you to change your practices. It's not just waiting, though. There's some other things that you and I can do. I mean, humbling ourselves. That The next thing we need to do when, when we're getting some questionable information is we need to wait for God to reveal the truth. And honestly, this is the harder one. For me, personally, I don't have any trouble going to God and saying, God, I don't know what the heck's going on. Can you help me? I don't have any problem with that whatsoever. I have a big problem with this, though. Waiting for the Lord. Because you know what? God doesn't respond as timely as I think he should sometimes. How could the God of the universe not fit my standards of efficiency? I do not know. But if we'll wait for the Lord, he will help us. Look at what God's word says. Psalms 33, 20. We wait in hope for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. Do you believe that? I mean, is he really our help and our shield, or are we out here on our own trying to figure out what's happening in the world, trying to figure out what we need to do and how we need to respond and how we need to feel? And, or can we really wait on him and he be our protection so that we don't get taken advantage of, that he be our, our hope? 
not pie in the sky, but, but that reality that I'm confident things are going to be okay because I'm waiting on the Lord to take care of me. He said if I waited on Him, He would take care of me. Or is God lying? Look at what Psalms 37 says. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for Him. Do not fret when people succeed in their ways, when they carry out their wicked schemes. What a great verse for today. Do not fret. We do a lot of fretting. I mean, a headline pops up on our feeds, and boy, we start fretting. We need to respond, don't we? Oh, this is how that makes me feel. Let me tell the world how I feel. Oh, we do a lot of fretting. What would happen if we waited? If we waited on the Lord? Look at what Isaiah 30 says. Yet the Lord longs to be gracious to you. Therefore, He will rise up to show you compassion. For the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are all who wait for Him. Do you believe that? Or is justice dependent on us? I love how us humans claim we must have justice. (laughs) We're all corrupt. How are we going to carry out justice? But the Lord says that if we wait on Him, He is a God of justice. And He will take care of things if we are willing to wait on Him. You see, when voices tell us that we need to act, that there, there's something that happens when, when we get a headline or, or we get a phone call or, or we get a notification or we get this email. Something happens when we get these alarming things that are sent, this alarming information. And it's not just alarming, it also says you need to act now. You need to have an opinion about this right now. And you need to do something about this right now. When in reality, what we may need to do is say, Lord, I don't know how to feel about this, and so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a step back. God, I'm going to wait for you to show me what's right here. I'm going to wait. Now, I know how hard that is because let me tell you something. I get frustrated at red lights. So I know it is hard to wait on God. But you and I, a lot of what we, a lot of the hot mess that we find ourselves in, we could avoid if we would just wait for the Lord to tell us what to think, feel, and do. If we would just wait. Which leads us to the third thing, and that is avoid impulsive emotional reactions and decisions. See, Joshua didn't do this. Joshua, he received this information. They appealed to him emotionally. They they appealed to his compassion. They appealed to to the fact that they too had heard of his God. They, 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 They used deception to manipulate him into feeling, thinking, and acting a certain way. He didn't ask the Lord for help. He didn't wait for the Lord to respond. And ultimately, he made a rash decision, a hasty decision. Look at what Proverbs 19.2 says. Enthusiasm without knowledge is no good. Haste makes mistakes. Can I just tell you something? This, I, I, I just, Folks, many of us are living in this world like ignorance on fire. 
We just hear something and respond. We just get a headline and knee-jerk react to it. We have no idea if somebody's telling us the truth. We have no idea of verifying what's been said. We just, we just receive it, and, and I feel a certain way immediately, and I start thinking a certain way immediately, and I just act immediately. And it is ignorance on fire. And we are all susceptible to that. Look at what Proverbs 29, 20 says. Do you see someone who speaks in haste? There is more hope for a fool than for them. If you feel this huge urgency within you to act on something and to act right then, right now, can I implore you to be brave and call upon the Lord and wait for Him before you respond. Very few things need to be acted on immediately. It happens occasionally in life, but most of the time, we have time. To step back, talk to the Lord, let Him direct our ways, and wait on Him before we do something that we can't get out of. Before we get sucked into something that all of a sudden it's gone a place that we didn't intend for it to go. But we're in it. Because notice what happened to Joshua. He didn't do any of these things. Notice what God's Word says. He made, it, he made this treaty with these people. And then look at the very next verse. Three days after making the treaty, they learned that these people actually lived nearby. What would happen if we waited three days before we responded to something? What would happen if we just, God, I'm going to talk to you about it. I'm going to wait for you, Lord. I know I got voices screaming at me to do something right now, but I realize, Lord, I don't have to do it right now. I don't have to act right now. I'm not going to lose my job. I'm not going to, the world's not going to fall apart. I, I don't have to act right now. God, I'm going to, I'm going to wait for you. If Joshua had just waited three days, three days. But they found out that these people lived nearby, and the Bible goes on to say the people of Israel grumbled against their leaders because of the treaty. But the leaders replied, what do you think they were grumbling? I can only imagine. You should wipe them out, Joshua. You should take them out. Boy, they lied to you. It was all deception. Revenge! Let's impeach the next guy. Let's go after them. They lied. They didn't tell the truth. Let's wipe them out. But the leaders replied, Since we have sworn an oath in the presence of the Lord, the God of Israel, we cannot touch them. This is what we must do. We must let them live for divine anger would come upon us if we broke our oath. Let them live. See, Joshua made an oath in the presence of the Lord. He, 
He made a treaty with these Gibeonite people, even though he made the treaty under, the, under, under their auspice of deception, he made a treaty with them, and now then he knows, because he's following the Lord, even though they lacked integrity, he shouldn't. And that's pretty different in our world because we don't find very many people willing to live this way. Not, very even, not even very many of God's people are willing to live with integrity even though someone has lied to them. You see, two wrongs really don't make a right. They were wrong in what they did. Absolutely, they were wrong. But it would have been wrong for Joshua to say, you know what, I'm going back on my word. I said we'd be friends. I lied too. Since you lied, I'm going to renege. But that's not what he did. So Joshua, the Bible says, the Bible says, did not allow the people of Israel to kill them. But that day he made the Gibeonites the woodcutters and water carriers for the community of Israel and for the altar of the Lord. Don't skip that. He made them servants at the altar of the Lord. Wherever the Lord would choose to build it. And that is what they do to this day. So this leads us to the next thing that I want us to spend some time thinking about. How to make the most of a mistake. Because you know what? We make mistakes. <laughs> Sometimes we believe a lie. Sometimes we, we put ourselves in a position. We commit ourselves to something. And it was is wrong. We shouldn't have done it. We shouldn't, it happens to all of us. It happens to me. It happens to you. It just happens to all of us. So what do we do when that happens? Joshua shows us here how to make the most of a mistake in a life. The first thing that we have to do is admit the mistake and then let God make the most of it. We got to admit the mistake. So another reason that the leaders grumbled Again, I'm sorry, that the people grumbled against the leaders is because the leaders admitted to the people they made a mistake. And we don't see a lot of that in our world. Okay? We don't see leaders stepping up and saying, I made a mistake. Shouldn't have done that. But you know what? It's not just leaders. There's a lot of people not willing to stand up and say, I made a mistake. To go to work and look at their boss and say, I'm sorry, I messed up. I made a mistake. For a kid to come home and tell their parents, I'm sorry, I messed up, I made a mistake. For a husband to look at his wife or a wife to look at her husband and say, I'm sorry, I messed up, I made a mistake. There's, that's not in high demand anywhere. We don't see a lot of people doing that anywhere. But we, yet we know we all make mistakes. And if we, want, if we want to overcome the mistakes in our life, we have to admit them and say, okay, God, here it is, make the most of it. Because I made a mistake. That's exactly what Joshua did. And he made these people. So it's really interesting. A little history here about the Gibeonites. The Gibeonites became servants of the Lord. They became some of the most dedicated people to the Lord in all of the Old Testament. Nowhere in the Old Testament will you find the Gibeonites giving the Israelites any trouble whatsoever. In fact, you'll find stories of the Gibeonites staying true to the Lord when the Israelites were neglecting the Lord. He placed them, Joshua did, at the altar, and you know what happened? They fell in love with Jesus. 
And they stayed more committed to the Lord through the Old Testament than many of the Israelites did. Isn't that a cool story? That's what happens when we give God our mistakes. He makes the most of it. He makes the most of that mistake. Sometimes we just have to admit to ourselves and to the Lord and to the people with whom we made a mistake. That is so important that we made a mistake. And then we give it to the Lord. The second thing is that when we make a mistake to make the most of it, do not compromise integrity to deal with the consequences of the mistake. Every mistake bears consequences. But do not compromise integrity to deal with those consequences. Joshua had made a promise in the presence of the Lord to the Gibeonites. And it was a mistake. But he didn't compromise. He held his word even though the Gibeonites were constant, you know, the, the whole thing was a deception. There's a, there's a great chapter in Psalms, chapter 15. We don't have time to read it this morning, but I give you that. You can jot it down. You can go back and look at Psalms 15 later. It's a short chapter. It's not a long read, but it's a great read. Because in Psalms chapter 15, the, 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 the chapter starts off with this question. It says, Who may worship in your sanctuary, Lord? Who may enter your presence on your holy hill? And then there's about seven or eight things that are listed, all character issues about what it takes to be in the presence of the Lord and to worship Him with a sincere heart. And in verse 4 it says, Who can do this? Those who keep their promises even when it hurts. That happens sometimes, doesn't it? We get ourselves into a financial commitment. What is that? A financial promise. And it didn't come together like we thought it would. And we, then we start scrambling, trying to figure out how we can get out of what we promised we said we would do. Sometimes, sometimes we make uh, promises in relationships with people. We promise them that we're going to do something. It could be as simple as I'm going to show up at 2 o'clock, and then all of a sudden something happens, and, oh, well, they'll understand. And we're willing to renege on that so quickly because it's not easy anymore. We thought it would be easy when we made the promise. But then it got uneasy. But sometimes it's really big, like what happened to Joshua here when he made this promise. It, in fact, it, it impacted everyone around him. And yet he said, you know what, I will still keep my word. Let me ask you a question. As God's people in this world, if someone lies to us, and we make a commitment based on that lie, and then later we discover they were lying to us, does that mean we get a pass? cut corners on our integrity to deal with that? We all know the answer. But do we really behave that way? Because that's what Joshua did. And that's how God 
honors this. Folks, what I'm talking to you about, this type of character, the, the, the way to live our life like this, it, it cannot be done without a relationship with Jesus Christ. I, I can't manufacture this in my own life. I, I, because you know what? I don't know if I'm being told the truth by people in the world. I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I have to ask the Lord and let Him lead me. And sometimes, sometimes I get deceived. Sometimes I believe a lie when it's a lie. But to me, I, I say that's the truth. And then later, in Joshua, three days later, I figure out, oh, that's not the truth. But by then, I've already made a decision. I've already said something. I've already set something in motion. All I can do is say, God, it, I made a mistake. You're going to have to make the most of it. Let me tell you that that's impossible without Jesus. And I pray that if you don't know him, that you will give your life to him. And he will help all of us be brave in this world. But let me leave you with this prayer for this week. It says, Lord, I am surrounded by lying mouths. Help me to know your truth. Nudge me when I begin to be influenced by a lie. Teach me to pause and seek your wisdom. Empower me to wait on you before I speak or act. When I fail to do this, remind me to humble myself before you. Teach me to give you my mistakes, believing you will make the most of it to fulfill your good plan of redemption. Build my character and make me a person of integrity that makes you look attractive. I hope that can be your prayer. I hope you can pull that out and pray that to the Lord this week and mean it with all your heart. Thank you so much for being here this morning. Thank you for joining us online. God bless you. We'll see you next week.